Previously on Steambox Versus, Bruce Leroy, the last dragon, shared the glow. The Iron Sheep broke backs and made us humble. Michio Kaku showed us how to find dark matter. Samus and Megarad led a rap battle for the ages, and we plunged into virtual reality in Ready Player One. Will Steambox make it back to Ghibli in Japan? Will the Boston Celtics dunk on us? Will the Dragon Ball Z narrator ever join the crew? Stay tuned and find out on Steambox Versus. All right, this is Roberto. You're back with another Steambox podcast with the Central Falls Warriors. Central Falls Warriors, please say what's up to the world. What's up? Uh, if it's a little quieter today, we are competing with Driver's Ed. But don't let that stop you because this podcast is still number one in the world. Back to number one in the world. We were like number 22 and hovering around there. We're back to number one after last week. I got a lot of really sweet messages, too, after one of our students opened up about the racist jokes amongst you guys. And then that student was always pointing out other students being fat. And y'all called a, a truce between, uh, what was it, between Muslims and fatties? Yeah, but the last two seconds, like the next time I saw the like, they same They're back at it. They're back at it. The ceasefire has ended. Um, that's where we're at. But we brought guests in to have some of these conversations with us. Why are you laughing? You, you laughing at the fatties? <laughs> no, oh, Muslims. No, oh, so so no. Stop Victorino. Exactly. No, I'm laughing at Muslims or fatties. Right? I am laughing at Marcela trying to keep her laugh from being heard. All right? Wait, that's what I have someone else. She just threw me another thought. Marcel, are you laughing at fatties or Muslims? I am laughing at the fact that you threw people into the bus saying, well, it lasted a day. Truth tellers. I'm a tin teller. As you might be able to make out by now, we have uh, Sandra Victorino, who is a partner of Steambox. Uh, and we consult with her for a lot of things whenever, because I'm way too stupid to put together like a mental wellness initiative. So I'm always hitting her up like, what do you think of this? Our drum circles corny was literally the last question I asked her. Um, are drum circles corny? No, they are not. They're not corny. They're not corny. So if I had a whole bunch of high school students and I put them in a drum circle, does it depend on the drum master? Does it? It depends on the people that you have leading the group. It always, it's always about the leader and how they end up associating it with whatever group it is. Welcome back. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> and uh, we've got Marcella Betancourt. She's with uh, LPI. LPI stands for Latino Policy Institute. And... I think we already had a question. I think Eli wanted to ask you more depth about that. Can you explain what LPI is? Yeah. So the Latino Policy Institute is an organization that has been around for 18 years. So a lot longer than we all have been around. Um, and they focus on how to... Uh, you time out? Yeah. A lot longer than... You said they've been around for... I'm 17. Exactly. Oh, me too. I am barely 18. I just didn't make sure I caught that right. I'm barely 18. You just put 18-year-old LPI as older than you. Okay. Barely making it. Okay. Um, thank you. Um, and so our organization focuses on how do we communicate uh, the experiences of Latinos all over Rhode Island, right? So earlier you mentioned something very specific about this idea that Latinos all speak Spanish, which is not true. Um, and so we do that through like research, like sometimes it's fancy research reports. Sometimes it's going to the state house to talk to people about why you should change laws. Sometimes it's legitimately having conversations like this with people who aren't Latino, who have other identities. 
um, about the evolving experiences of Latinos. So that's my job. On this podcast, my brain uh, broke for so many reasons. As we opened the podcast, we made fun of how we talk about each other sometimes, and sometimes we're mean to each other and all this stuff. Uh, but my brain broke when I was working with a different group, and one of my um, one of my South African immigrants was talking about Spanish that he overheard in a store, and he was complaining about it and saying, "Why should we all? Why should we have Spanish speakers?" here if this is an english-speaking place to which i have a, a reflex and a reaction to like take offense to that right like i'm i take offense to that uh, and i know a number of my other students do but i love that in this podcast we can have those conversations and start to flesh that out but like i said about sandra this is like one of those things where i'm too i'm too dumb because i want to claim that and say that's my language like what are you talking about mm -hmm. but it's not my language my like my family's not from Spain. Mm -hmm. I have actual like indigenous Taino roots. Yeah, exactly. And Spanish is not our native language. So it's one of those things when you're talking about language, like I'm automatically it it makes me think a little bit because I don't even know like I had to Google it and I knew for that moment what mm -hmm. my actual language should be, but nobody's even claiming that. So when we talk about Spanish speakers, Isaiah and I were put on blast because we're light skinned Puerto Ricans earlier. And you're not all part of Regan Rule. Yeah. You are? I'm so sorry. Damn. Me too. I feel like they're forgetting about me. You're Puerto Rican? Yeah. Joseph is Puerto Rican. Yeah. Joseph, none of us knew this. None of us knew this. We got a team full of Puerto Ricans. I, and then, and then, I didn't even know they was my kind. Romeo? Honorary. Honorary. Romeo's odd man out. Romeo's odd man out. Um, so yeah, so I didn't even know what our language was. And it's one of those things because I want to celebrate everybody's language, but that student broke my brain because what even is my language? Mm -hmm. As an indigenous like Puerto Rican, it's wild. There's the do you how do you guys deal with that over at LPI? That's a great question. So I think what I've so I've been there for five years and the conversation I've tried to push is one of trying to make us think through this conversation. So when I so I actually came here when I was twelve. So I came from a very Spanish-speaking country. And actually, technically, so in Spain, they speak Spanish. In Latin America, they speak Castellano. So the Spanish we speak is not Spanish from Spain. And I don't know how to say it in English. So Castellano is the language Latin America speaks. Okay. Because it's a version of Spanish, right? I don't know how to say that in English. Um, and so I came, I came here, and I remember, you know, you're thrown into this country, and you're supposed to, like, submerge yourself so that you don't get poked at in middle school. Um, and so I learned English, but I grew up most of my life not understanding how there were Latinos here who didn't speak Spanish because my experience, so here in CF when I was growing up, most, most Latinos actually spoke Spanish, right? But because they were like me, they either had to just come or they were first generation, right? And then it was, so in my, so in my, in my ignorance of meeting other people, I had not, I, I didn't understand that, uh -huh. right? But I think it's that it's because you're not you don't have proximity to other people that didn't have that experience. As I got older, I had the opportunity to meet people who were second generation or even for first gen, right? Like so maybe your parents came from Latin America, but they just didn't teach you Spanish or just Spanglish was spoken in the house, which is very common. And I understood that like language doesn't make a culture or an ethnicity, right? Um, neither does like our skin color. 
um, are maybe we all eat something similar, but even that, I don't know if it defines our culture. So the way I have that conversation is all Latinos are not immigrants. All Latinos don't speak Spanish. All Latinos are not spicy. All Latinos like don't like rice and beans. Um, right. And so I think in this country, in the United States, but do we, are we, do we ruin the stereotype when we actually do enjoy rice and beans? So it, well, like I actually didn't eat beans for many years, so I, you know, oh, okay. it doesn't. It, yeah, you stop eating it for a while before you eat so much. Maybe that's just me. Uh, see, do you not like beans either? I don't like. See? But when I was a little kid, I didn't even like rice, which it is, is a, weird. See, is that weird? No, it's because my entire family they're like, how, how did that happen? It's you're an evolving, ex- you're an evolving person. <laughs> I like it now. I yeah, taste. exactly. And, and there's even a few like years. Rice and beans. Yeah, that's no, that's exactly. You get tired of it. That's exactly it. So as someone that was Mexican, I didn't really grow up. Like, my parents are from the northern region, and rice was made when we made fajita and dinners and things like that. But it wasn't really a part of, like, our everyday meal. I was just talking to someone about this. Mm-hmm. Like, rice was not yeah. a big thing. And I we didn't have corn tortillas. We had flour tortillas because we were in the northern region of Mexico. We had more meats than we had the the grains. Because it's access, too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then... Joseph surprised us a moment ago. Stand, no, I'm sorry. Ahead. Joseph surprised us a moment ago because Joseph's very quiet in the podcast. Uh, he's the quietest student that we have at Steambox. So when he mentioned ethnicity, it's just that we haven't gotten to know Joseph so well. Joseph, have you ever been or have, have anybody else ever been shamed for lack of Spanish speaking? No. They usually don't really care. They usually just stick with the people that they know. My family definitely shamed the me's. Your family shames you for that? Oh, no, everybody. I've been a gringo. Oh, my God. Like, uh, like uh, even this year, it's just common because everyone here, like, this is a small group of people, and it's a coincidence that most people are Hispanic and don't know Spanish. But in Central Falls, you graduated from here. Mm-hmm. Everyone speaks Spanish. Mm-hmm. So it's weird when you're trying to have a conversation, they start talking Spanish, and like, oh, no, I'm You're like, no, no, not me. <laughs> like, oh, how'd that happen? I'll okay. explain. So then I want to flip it and throw it back to you guys in a second. Have Have you guys ever been shamed for embracing white culture too much? Oh, I definitely did. I wanted to say American culture, yeah. but but let's stick with, you know what I mean? Like white culture, just purposefully. Mm. Uh, Probably not just white culture. Not so much, not so much? Other I, cultures other than your Latino identity? Yeah, I guess. I wonder if there's a generational kind of thing that's happening where as the stuff gets melded, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? A, a lot of you yeah. 18 and younger is... You know, <laughs> are having to deal with this, but but yeah, I definitely I definitely got shamed for, um, for speaking white. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Not English for speaking yeah. for speaking yeah. white. Yeah, I Vancouver. Yeah. I yeah that that was that was a huge thing. Well, it was it was more it happened more when my divide ended up happening. So for me, it ended up happening. It happened somewhat in school, like because I was in honors classes or I was in these things that ended up putting me in these classrooms with predominantly white students and then in college it definitely started to happen around like my familia and stuff like that but I now looking back to it as an adult it was more about like the fears and anxieties of pulling away from the familia um so as those divides start to happen if they're created or someone else has already forged the path or the journey for someone then it's not that anxiety provoking because they see that someone's coming back. Mm-hmm. So it just depends on where you are in that line that sometimes those things happen more often than others. That's, okay. that's it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I actually had an experience here. So when I was in high school, um, so most, like the majority of students were Latinos, but we had, so in, I was also in honor classes and we had like three white kids, right? And they were my friends. I thought they were great and like they were a lot of my classes and I started listening to like non-Latino music, right? The quote unquote white people music. Yep. So like I loved Panic at the Disco and Green Day, right? Like it was a thing. And my friends that I had grown up there, they're like, you're just trying to be white, right? And it was this idea of, for such a long time, you were pushed into sort of assimilating to a culture that's not, was it yours most of your life? And then suddenly I'm like, I'm too white. And then in college, I started dating white people and they're like, oh, now, oh, how dare she? And so I think like that was a very interesting thing. And I, I had to, even to this day, I think like I, I struggle with what that means. And being Latina to me, I'm very proud of it today. Yeah. But it's also a learning experience. Well, today you're the not just working just, there for five years, yeah. but you're the director I'm of the LPI. Director, yeah. So you're the director of LPI. And and I, I think that goes to show where your your work mm-hmm. and your your career and your life has taken, mm-hmm. right? So so you you have proven yourself. Not that you ever had yeah, to, yeah. but you have proven yourself. So what does that look like? How do you reflect on that now? Like, mm-hmm. what are some of those things? How do you how do you reconcile when is when is too much? When have I jumped over the white culture line too much? Mm-hmm. I think to me, right, and this is I love speaking a nice statement. I think like for me, jumping, like forgetting my culture means sort of I I have to understand that like I don't eat Colombian food every day. Uh, I don't have to listen to music in Spanish or Colombian music to be Colombian. I don't have to, um, like that doesn't, that does, that doesn't define me as Latina, but I think the moment I start rejecting that and sort of putting everyone in a box, like, well, all Latinos are this, I think like Mm -hmm. when it's a a rejection of, of what our culture is or is caricatured as, I think that's when you're, you're, you're going to another extreme. I think, you know, you mentioned, is it? Isaiah, right? Elijah. Elijah, sorry. Isaiah. Isaiah, Elijah. sorry. I knew, thank you. See? I knew there was one of you. Um, so, Eli, so you mentioned, you like, it was in maybe white culture. So, sometimes within Latinos, it's also jumping into black culture, right? And sometimes within Latinos, because racism is a hell of a drug in our culture, that's part of, like, sometimes there's a rejection of that, right? And so I think there's a difference between rejecting the culture that maybe your family, like, wants you to be part of but there's a difference between finding a version of who you are within other cultures, right? I think there is something important in white culture, right? Like, I don't know, it's white people believe that they can do anything. I want that, right? That's nice. Yeah, that like right? confidence. Exactly, yeah. right? We at like Latinos and many other ethnicities and races, we owe the black community a huge debt to like civil rights movement and to music and everything else, right? And food, so like, that's cool. Um, but I think to me, it's that is a rejecting caricature, like who our people are. To me, that's when you cross to like a bad place. There's something that, I mean, we could be with our most understanding, amazing white allies, white friends, and there's some parts that they can never really understand. Yep. Like there's a superstition that nobody taught me, but when I drive by a cop, I hold my breath, <laughs> like thinking that I'm going to be invisible to the yep. cop by holding my breath. I don't you know, know look at them. They don't see you. Right. <laughs> But that's so nothing, that not for everybody? <laughs> but that's nothing that they've ever had to deal with just because yeah. when we see a cop, it's like, oh, shit, here's a cop. Yeah. But when they see a cop, it's like, oh, good, Johnny Law is here. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it's 
it's just it's one of those things that yeah. between the cultures, some people can never really walk a mile in our shoes. Uh, Romeo, what do you what do you got? What do you got for Sandra or Marcella? Has an outsider. Did <laughs> <laughs> you come back? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm happy to come back to you because I heard Isaiah's question already, and I'm very excited about your question. Isaiah, go ahead. So if you were able to make a museum out of on a, the LPI, right? What would be the most important things of his from the history of LPI would fit in? Of like of the organization or of like Latinos? Like the organization. Uh, I would say both. Take it take yeah. No, actually that could work. Both. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Alright, so for the organization, what would be in our museum? Be like a jar of my tears for the last year. Wow. Uh so we've been around for a long time, but we used to belong to Roger Williams University, so that would be in my museum. Roger Williams University, they're like weird mascot. Forgot what it is. The eagle. No, it's a bird. It's a hawk. It's a hawk. Sorry. I was like, it's an animal. Um, I think they would be part of it because they, they were like where we were for. Um, and in the last year, we had we decided to leave, and so I cried a lot because for like a year, we decided... Every time I saw somebody and they asked me how I was doing, I would just start crying because I was like, I don't know. I think I'm like, I think I'm going to break the organization. Um, what would it be in it? I would have a circle of, I would have like little statutes of 10 to 12, what I like to call like OG Latinos. So like these are Latinos in our state that they're, maybe they're almost billionaires, maybe not. They're like between 50 and 70 years old, right? Yeah. Like there's a range of yeah, there's, there's a group. There's a group. There's a group or here because they existed. Yeah. 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 Like and in, in we say we in like the most we. Yeah. Right? LPI organization. Like there's a, they were the first Latinos in many things. So the first Latinos to run for office. The first Latinos to be secretary of state. The first Latinos to like start their own businesses. Um, and so there's a, like a group of like 10 to 12 of them that started the organization that got national money to be able to do it. And there were people who, you know, 18, actually almost 20 years ago, yeah. they sat down and they were like, there's so many of us. Cause 20 years ago we saved like the, the, the Latino percentage had grown so much that we saved the congressional seat okay. again. And we just did it again. Right. And so back then they were like, but we're still poor. Our education rates are terrible. This is happening. We don't have any political power. Let's build stuff. And these people had nothing and were the first ones and started building stuff. And we were part of that build. And to me, that's a big deal. Right? I think like it's important to say thank you. And it's important. Like some of you are going to maybe not be the first, but you're going to be the only ones in the room sometimes. Like we're sometimes the only ones in the room and that sucks. But like our job is to make sure that when you're the, maybe you're the, Maybe there's two or three of you. Hopefully there's two or three of <laughs> yeah, you. And it's not just one like exactly. us. Exactly. Right? There are, so what's yeah. Mount Rushmore? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. The what's, Ma- the, what's the, the, well, Rushmore. Mount Rushmore is like the yes. four. Yeah, the presidents. Mm-hmm. All right. Who are the four? I would say. It's Washington. No, not oh, on no. Mount Rushmore. Oh, it's here? Oh. Well, yeah, like, oh I was like, you're, like, you're quizzing right now. Um, oh, that's a good one. I see it. Oh, that's a good one. I think like Pablo Rodriguez. Yeah. It's definitely. like it's like the middle one. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so Pablo Rodriguez is a doctor. Uh, and he was, um, he's like an actual doctor. Yeah. Um, and he, he was the first one to start the Latino Political Action Committee. So it's like a, he started doing a lot of politics around it. 
He helped raise money. He started uh, the first Latino radio station. Um, and he's, he's helped a lot of people run for office. He helps a lot of organizations. Um, he's, and he's awesome when it comes to health and stuff like that. So he's, and he's still plugging away and pushing around. So like, that's, that's the, that's the cool part is that he's not only influenced when he was at his, like that prime age of all of these people influencing in the eighties, but he still continues to do the work, um, in different ways and capacities that he can. Yeah. I definitely think he would be the middle dude. Um, and he like, he, so there's a, a very large foundation in the state called Rhode Island Foundation. He was the first Latino president of the foundation. It's a huge deal because they have to give, I just learned this a few months ago. <laughs> they give millions of dollars when he was the first Latino president of it. It's a big deal. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Uh, so that was a fun thing to learn. Um, and so I think Nelly Gorbea has to be one of the four. Yeah. Nelly Gorbea used to be the secretary of state a couple of years ago. She was there for eight years and she was the first Latina secretary of state country for, for like the first she was puerto rican um she's legit from the island um and then she came here and so i think she'd be one of them who else Shit. it's two more spots i know i'm like no recording we want also by fun part of the recording yeah i know if i can if i could make this sound good i'm editing magic i'm oh. editing magic if i can make this sound good because this library is just louder than i'm usually yeah um you know i think about so I've I two people in my head and no disrespect if I if, if I'm forgetting anybody but I think about like Ana Cano Morales and I think about your dad um so they um so that's the those are the two people that I think sure. about because of immigration um work and all of that yeah that, that happens. is a really big deal yeah the record I was not fishing <laughs> no 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 I was just that was like no, honestly, I, I, he was part of it. And then I think about Jorge, uh, that was with Sodexo, Jorge Cardenas, and he's uh, kind of passed. He passed during COVID. Yes. Uh, and that was really, there are people, there are, there are like, so right now we're, we're listing legends, people who, people who've been an influence on our work. Mm-hmm. And this is a dude who died. And when he died during uh, early days of COVID, I had not realized how impactful he was to me when, until I was like, like visibly upset and like crying because this man died who's been so good to me and so many others. Yeah. So it was, I, I think those are, the, those are some of the people that come into play, but it's not, if you think about, like, think about this guy and think about Upegi and what they are, like that's what these folks have been to us in yeah. many different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, because they they forged the path that we don't have to. Mm-hmm. There's some politics and things that we don't have to do because they did because it. Because they did it, yeah. That's true. What's wild is there's Steambox students from this school who I took out to dinner last night. And I think there are some people, not a lot, but I think there's some people who are young people. Uh, these guys got math books from us last year. There's some people who who would probably point at me as like a mentor. What's wild is when you mention my dad, uh, my dad was Ubegi's mentor. It's, yeah, it's one of those wild. It's one of those wild uh, full circle kind of kind of thing. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I'm really proud of is this group, Sandra. When we brought you on before, um, it was because they were having conversations. I don't remember who was there for the early days of the Joyful Rebellion stuff. When we brought the superintendent on, were any of you there when we had the superintendent on the podcast? None of you, right? Um, and students were in the room crying about the negative impact that school has on them. Um, and it was wild. And 
it's moments like that where I'm like, okay, I'm too much of a nerd to have this conversation in a qualifiable way with these students. So I wanted to make sure that people uh, who are qualified and have also walked in their path, like Sandra, were on for this podcast. So Sandra, thank you for being part of the Joyful Rebellion. <laughs> but where I'm going with this is... <laughs> I'm like waiting for it. Yeah. The, 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 the gonna drop. What do you think? What does Sandra think of me? She thinks it's like a trap. Gotcha question. It's not a gotcha. It's just they're really. You guys have given me some really like tough pondering like questions that I walk away with, and then I come back and I'm thinking about like how do we make it better and how do we make it different. Like every time I leave, exactly. you are. That's exactly what happens. And so I know every time I come here, I have homework. And so it's a beautiful thing to have that homework. But then I'm like, how do I solve that? How do I fix it? And so that's why I do it with trepidation. So I was, <laughs> I was going towards Marcella with the setup, but back to you for the finish. Um, we, we, I'm, we're very proud of the mental wellness celebration that we've utilized this podcast for, mm -hmm. um, for three years now. And this year we're going bigger. We're going national with it. And we're also going to have a mental wellness celebration day, May the 4th be with you, um, on Saturday, May 4th. So, so that's our initiative. But I noticed that LPI's had an initiative recently towards mental wellness as well. What's pushing, what's pushing Latino Policy Institute to look at mental wellness uh, right now? That's a great question. So part, that part of the answer is, is Sandra. <laughs> um, but so actually, the the... My thoughts started five years ago when I started. Um, so we had to make strategic, like we had to think about like, what, what are we gonna focus about? And when people think about Latinos, they might think of education, immigration. And I was like, yes, all that's important, but there's so much more that affects us. And at that time, um, I actually, my parents had some, some health issues and I am an only daughter, right? So I'm an, I'm an only immigrant daughter. So it became my job to take care of it. And I brought it up to my board and my team and I was like, Health is a huge thing that we don't talk about, like not only physical health, but also access to it. Like health insurance is so expensive. Um, at that time, my mom, uh, so my mom has arthritis. I don't know if any of you know what that is. Okay, yeah, usually it's your hands. So she has arthritis in her hands and in her shoulders. Um, and it, and her doctor prescribed her shots and medicine. And um, her insurance through her job didn't cover it. And so she just was like, that's fine. I'm just not gonna do it. Yeah, her hands, she worked in a factory, a jewelry factory. And so, you know, five years ago, my mom was in her early 60s and like their hands were really hurt a lot. And to me, that was wild. And so I was like, health has to be a thing. And, um, and then in 2020, the world decided to start falling apart again. And um, we started seeing obviously like the very on your face, like health of COVID. And so nationally, Latinos were dying disproportionately. Um, statistically, when you look at it, we Latinos have lost more like years of their life, mm -hmm. especially Latino men. So sorry, um, right? Like, and no, but let's hope they get that back. Um, <laughs> so it's a really big deal, and part of that is because we don't have access to certain, like you know, health insurance or health access and free, like other existing conditions. But mental health then became a really big thing. And as we all do, like some of it came personally. In 2020 was the first time I was able to access therapy. And it changed my life because that same year my dad almost died of an aneurysm. So it was like everything in health like all piled into one thing. 
And so it became a really big issue for our organization. And when I, I met Sandra and her partner um, in the Latino Mental Health Network, Jenny, who I actually met in high school, she didn't come here, but we just, you know, know people. Um, it became like, it was a really wonderful conversation of like, this is happening everywhere and we're not talking about it a lot. So people were talking about like, oh, I can't go to therapy and I don't have enough people or like Latinos, you know, think weird of therapy. And I'm like, yes, that's all good and great. But my parents can't find a therapist. Like, it took me a long time to find. I wanted a Latina therapist. Yeah. Because I wanted someone to be like, that. when I ex- explained her the weird experiences within my family, it wasn't going to be a white lady that was like, well, that's just terrible. No. I had to, like, I was able to, like, tell her things and she understood the cultural, like, nuance of it, right? And that was a really big deal to me. It took my parents a really long time to find a therapist. And to, that, to this day, they share the same therapist. Because our, our health center only has, like, one person who speaks Spanish. And that's not typically how it's supposed to be run. You know, it's wild. They, they can do it back to back. Yeah. That's not, like, it. Like that's the thing is that that therapist is, like, so had to probably deal with some kind of, like, conflicts of being, like, what's the pros and cons of doing this? Because ethically, as therapists, we're not supposed to necessarily do that. But whenever the the precedent of the good and you have to like evaluate all of that like what's the good versus the bad and it, sometimes you have to do things like that yeah um but that therapist must have man that must have been a weight on that therapist yeah and figure that out yeah. and i and i'm very thankful that they're still able to access it because my my after my dad recovered from from his aneurysm he ended up with depression and and post-traumatic stress disorder which is really hard in our family and my mom had some of that too. And so, you know, this, I, I said that all the time, I was like, this poor woman has to be really overwhelmed because back to back is just really tough stuff from the same family. And it's what led to our, to our work together, right? Of, of yes, every person, you know, if they want to access mental health services, they should. But I don't, as an organization, I didn't feel right telling you like, you should go to therapy because yes, but where are you going to find one? So have you guys been able to work together to develop uh, a roadmap or a network where people can find Latino specialists? So there are some, there are folks out there. It's just that a lot of folks are taxed or they're, they've the only ones in their systems. Like they're just, there's so few of us out there. And so one of the things that we were able to do was uh, with the help of Marcela, the Latino mental health network was able to do focus groups with other therapists to find out what, therapists need in order to be able to go into the field so how do our youth become therapists if they want to become therapists Mm -hmm. like there's no real pathway if you're not being taught behavioral health concepts in school why would you become a therapist Mm -hmm. like would you ever think about being a therapist i've i've had a lot of people think about being like occupational physical therapists but not like mental health yeah because like when they talk about this i can't do it because my mental health strained as it is that's, yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah. So like, why would you become it? Like, I wanted to be an optometrist because that was the first doctor that I saw. <gasps> that's so cool. That was the fr- I could see myself in that person. And so I was going to become an optometrist. Uh, when I in my senior year, they had us do a project where we would go and shadow in the school that I went to professionals. And I said I wanted to be a therapist. And they said, no, because it's going to be really difficult for you to do that. So you need to pick another profession. So optometrist was the one. But there was a, a young man that was white and he said it and they were like, cool, do it. And so he got to shadow uh, psychologists and I did it. 
And then I went to high school and the my second sem uh, college in my second semester of college, I met Dr. Mercado and he was Puerto Rican and he spoke Spanish and he was teaching me psychology. And I said, yo, wait a minute. Like, does our culture have these problems? And he was like, yes, we definitely have these problems. And I said, I want to do what you're doing. And so that's when I changed my major. I had all, I was doing, I was going to go into medical school. I was ophthalmology, all of this. And that's when it changed my trajectory. It was my first year of college you know, because I saw someone like me. I asked the students earlier um, because I've, we've been hyper-focused. I want May the 4th to, I just want that to be the dopest day ever. Like it's so important to so many of us. Chloe, who's not here right now because she's in driver's ed, uh, has really taken lead on this. But when I look at activities, and I'm reading these uh, not only to our audience to get people excited, but also for your thoughts and also for your thoughts. Activities that we have planned, happy little trees. So we've got a pink session with a former Steambox student who's going to do, uh, and PBS actually wants to come and do a special on happy little trees. Uh, we're going to do, uh, uh, Akeem Lloyd, a local community hero, is going to do yoga. Uh, we're going to have a forum that's live telecast with the West Coast School. We want to have the doctor is in, and I want to put Sandra Victorino in a little booth, just like, uh, was it Lucy from Charlie Brown? <laughs> the doctor is in five cents. We'll have students give her a nickel. Uh, but not just, but, but by specialty too, right? So we want to have other people with different specialties where students can look and be like, oh, I think I'd like uh, to sign up for a half hour therapy appointment with this person um, that day. Uh, mental health screening from Sabater. Yeah. Uh, uh, Julio. Julio, yeah. yes. Um, Steambox is going to do our podcast. Of course, Big Food. Uh, haven't figured out a keynote yet. I'm open to ideas. Um, but we want, we're looking at, we want it to be multilingual. We talked about a pachacacha maybe, yeah. um, where students can learn how to do that. Uh, but now I'm starting to tear out. But then I, uh, in addition to cooking class, we also discussed how do we have a box of puppies where it's not bad for the students and it's not bad for the puppies and what we came up with is the students actually making commercials for uh these puppies that need to be adopted um so so we have a hell of a day and because it's may the 4th i'm trying my ass off to get hasbro involved so every student will get like star wars stuff um i think that'd be really cool too i know the former human resources director at hasbro i should connect, connect to you let, yeah let us let us know what's up i would i would definitely take it <laughs> Bobby Gondolo, who was a friend, yeah, he, he yeah he does not work there anymore though. So I'm still I'm still looking. Uh, I hear Hasbro's in a little bit of disarray when I talk to their employees. They're like, uh, yeah. So so nobody's really sharing and opening up. All right. So that okay, was a yeah. list. That was a yes. list. What am I missing? I'm asking you first, and then I'm asking you guys too. What what do you need to see? Well, one more thing before I kick it to you. Our student, one of our students, when I asked this question earlier, what else do you think? needs to be on that list a student said my parents now that seems weird it seems like my parents might be the last thing that i would want at a mental wellness day for me but what i understood from that conversation especially based on other contexts that i had separately was that some of our families don't understand the need for mental wellness and some of our families consider seeking therapy seeking support a weakness some of our some of our families some parts of our culture mm -hmm. consider that to be a weakness yes. 
And I also wonder if maybe this is one of the things where if you don't, you know, it's that you, if you see it, you can be it kind of thing, uh, where maybe other cultures, maybe white cultures see it a lot more so they know that they can be it. So they're flooding, you know, the incoming workforce, but less Latinos. So you have two things that are going against you. Um, in our communities and um, for the Latino communities that our parents are potentially coming from, yep. they, um, they, w that was something for folks that had money. That's who was able to access therapy, right? So you have that, and then our immigrant parents come here, and over the generations, it's stated that you should be able to do this by yourself. That's the, the very, very much independent culture that we decided to walk into. We don't see each other as a collective anymore. So our, and I've talked a lot about like a third space. We don't, we no longer have like a third space that continues after we have our work and our family. You have your school, you have your family, and then sometimes that's difficult. Do you think that's a bird? Uh, but then from there, it like there's not this this mental health well-being conversation anymore. And the, my parents didn't accept that I was a, like my family still to this day. Sometimes they're like, no, 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 no. But we don't need that. But then when someone's in crisis, they're like, Sandra, so and so's in crisis. How do we help them? So there's a, a little bit still of like a we're coming to it, but we're not there yet. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's very. <laughs> I hate to use this, but very similar to recycling. Recycling was not a thing. We talked about it. We implemented it, and it continues. We continue to have conversations about it. Eventually, it gets there. But we do. The parents need to kind of, there has to be different feeders of information. It can't just be the child that says, hey, today they taught us about mental well-being. They had a therapist there. Hold on. Now, now um, we're going to do this. Um, but, yeah, so that's. We're not having those converse. They need different points of access. Remember, we're, we're just yeah. talking about this. Different points of access. Marcelo's really good at that. One. And I've learned from her. About access. <laughs> um, sorry, yes. So, so, I, so the, is the question sort of like where to... What are we missing on the list? Where are you missing on the list? Um, yeah, I think to me... What you're missing, what you could be missing in the list is, and we've talked about this during during our work together. The project is what are what are some other ways to look at mental health that is not this idea of just like a therapist, because I think it might not people might not always be ready for that. Um, because people might not always be ready for that, and so I think I think so as Andrea was saying, not just for our parents, but even for us. What are some ways in which we sort of have conversations around what that is? How, what, you know, what caring about yourself in, in a healthy way matter, like means to me, that's what it, what it would be, right? Like caring about your mental health and not just talking to one person. Talking to a person can be really intimidating for some people. Mm -hmm. um, group therapy can be really intimidating for some people. I think yoga is not it for everybody. So like, how do you have those conversations around? Um, so I think that's what I would I would explore, right? What is what it is to take care of yourself when other things may exist? Uh, yeah, when you're not ready. Romeo, I question louder, please. Who inspired you to continue? What was it called? Please, Delphia. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think 
It's a great question. So um, I think that first, so Anna, actually Sandra mentioned her. Her name is Ana Cano Morales and she used to run the organization before I ran it. And she inspired me because she also was a kid from Central Falls. We had a very similar story. And um, she was a, one of the only people I ever met who um, I had never seen like a, like a Latina Colombian lady that looked like me that had a similar story that was really well respected and had done really great work, right? Like had work that was impactful. Um, I think she, so she, she was, it was really inspiring to me to make sure that the organization lived because of what she had built before. But then to that layer is I was, I was really young when I took over the organization. I was 28 when I became an executive director and that's actually very, very young to run an organization. Um, and it was the inspiration of sort of being like, you have a lot to prove because this goes back to your people, right? Um, I think that's what made it, made it a really big difference. The fact that like the work that I do every day impacts people that look like my family, that look like your families, that like, I always think of CF when I think of my work because it all leads back. All leads back to CF. Class yes. of, orders, class of 2000, but like, that was like she was still eighteen. Yeah, I was. Like, I was eighteen. She's eighteen was, now. I was eighteen now. She skipped every grade since she was. I did. Also, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Doogie, Thank you. That's the reference that none of y'all get. Uh, <laughs> detract to see if you're really eighteen. I don't even know who you're talking about. If you're just joining, welcome. Uh, you are now participating with the Steambox uh, podcast. We are number one in the world in education. Today we have Sandra Victorino from LPI, the director of LPI. No, no, that's, that's Marcela. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes. Sandra Victorino. A therapist uh, that's just here. Therapist <laughs> who is a pro advocate for drum circles. Drum circles. And, uh, and Marcela Benicor, uh, the director of LPI. Um, so thank you so much. I'd love you guys can jump in with questions and stuff, but uh, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to, um, Renzo. Uh, so my question that I had was, since you we were talking mostly about um, all the, the Hispanic therapists mostly, at least that's when I came in to actually listen to it. What would you say is the hardest thing about being an Hispanic therapist? Um, sometimes being the, still being the only one or trying to make an argument for um, people understanding why bilingual, biculturalism is important. And that's not just for being a Latina, but that's being anything that is not my monolingual white colleagues. So I think that's been the hardest part is like helping people understand why it's important for me to be in the space and what I bring to the table um, to help my community you know, I do this because I ended up with psychological safety. I ended up. What I mean, psychological safety is when you're able to be in a space where you don't really have to worry about anything, any kind of um, microaggressions or any kind of fear based on my identity when I'm in that space. Like I'm accepted as a female, as a Latina, as a person, and I'm respected in that space, and my identity is respected. Can you break down microaggression too? Ah. Oh. Microaggression, yeah, I can put it, yeah, and so I think my microaggression is any time that someone may make a comment or even an action that doesn't directly talk about your, any of your identity. So that's your race, your gender identity, your sexual identity, your, um, any other identities that you may hold, 
right? They might not say directly, like, I don't like you because this is your ex. They might just say, well, your people usually just all you eat is rice and beans, isn't it? Um, or your people, I heard that, like, you're all illegals, right? Like, um, or even, even not even that, or just like, oh, your hair's really nice. Like, there's like, your hair's really nice for a black person, right? I'm hearing how articulate I am. Oh yeah, that's really nice. I do that. that no, so for me, my favorite is, um, and this is, a, this, is a, this is a test that I do for most people. When I tell them I came to this country when I was, when I was 12, they're, they're like, your English is so good though. I'm like, oh, is it? <laughs> and for a long time, I was defensive. I was like, thank you so much. I just worked really hard, so I didn't have an accent. Like, no, fuck that. Like, yeah, I don't have an accent because I don't know. I don't know why I don't have an accent. There's nothing wrong with it. It's like, yeah. I also don't know if I can swear. Did you have yes, a, you can. Did you have a question? Uh, no, I did not. So one of the things I'm interested in is um, I started thinking, so I know with this group, and even though we're missing people today, and normally we get a, the last Wednesday, we were at like 16 or 17. Um, I want to know how I can also work with our English learners here. And then I was wondering if maybe there's a way to team up, you know what I mean, with LPI, so that maybe we can continue a podcast specifically with our English learners. Uh, but also, is there any way that we could team up for May 4th? I say that with an open door, right? Like, I don't have something specific in mind, but I'm wondering if maybe there's a way to team up. So on this event where we have, like, a number of students from all over the state, um, if there's something that we can all do together, is this a continued conversation. So one of the things that I've gotten to learn about Marcela and what Latino Policy uh, Institute does is the advocacy of how to think about advocacy and how to be strategic about it. So if any of y'all have anything that you're thinking about that you want to change in your community or thinking about how that change needs to be implemented, like some of the things that y'all have talked to me in the past about or complain that you don't see within your schools, um, that would be really important if there's a topic and then figuring out how to think about it as a systems work in order to be able to implement change. Mm. Last week's conversation, you probably caught on to this earlier. <laughs> Last week's conversation was about, um, was about the, the attacks on, I'm going to make fun of this person because he's, you know, uh, Jamier. I'm going to make fun of this person because they're Muslim or a different religion. Um, what do you what do you say to that? What are the ways that we can be uh, our normal dickhead selves without attacking other people? I'm asking for a friend, not because I'm a dickhead who uh, is always. They all say that. <laughs> I think it's curious. Like, I think about when I've heard you guys have conversations about video games and things like that, you guys ask, ask very curious questions because someone has figured out a solution to something that you're really interested in having. And so you guys are curious most of the time. You don't come at each other. Like, you know, you guys play around and you guys are going back and forth. But I think part of it is just like asking the question, like why or how is that happening or what is what is related to it? A lot of things that I grew up with, like I grew up with that kind of play. Mm -hmm. And I would say, you know, what's the importance of that play? Or when is it appropriate? 
or how do I go about it? Because that's part of us too. We are very sarcastic. We're very quick. My mom has nicknames for everybody. I don't think they prefer some of their nicknames, but they're endearing, right? Like it's really cool that my mom has nicknames for some of my friends. So it's not abandoning it, but how do we find, how do we do it in a loving way that continues to make us grow Mm -hmm. and want us to develop, not to oppress each other. Mm -hmm. She just took them in. It's like this. Everybody, uh, and I want to, I want to say to our audience too. And we've got people listening in Ireland and all kinds of weird places, which blows my mind. It's weird to me because a lot of times we'll talk about like stuff from the hood. Even though some of us in this table, myself especially, are white passing. Even though some of us are white passing at this table, uh, everybody at this table is POC, is person of color. And what I think people should understand is that racism is from within our own circles as well. And I don't know if a lot of people understand that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if a lot of people understand that, like, you know, people in my family, you know, might be just as racist as somebody else's family who looks, mm-hmm. you know, obviously racist. Mm-hmm. Have you guys experienced that or is that just me? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah that's the color. It's colorism. It's like it's our third third dynamic, yeah. you know, like, you know, there's this, some of the sayings that you marry lighter to make it lighter collected in your family. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are things that I experienced. But I'm curious to know, does it still happen with y'all's generation? That's where my curiosity is. I mean, it really played out in our generation. Mm-hmm. But does it play out in your generation? So, like, would Eli's mom want him to date somebody, like, like if she was lighter-skinned, would she be more favorable? Uh, not that, but it does play out in our generation. Our parents have their own prejudices and things like that. Uh, they do play on race a lot of times, like, a lot of jokes. Like, I have cousins that look Asian, so we call them chinos, right? Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, that still happens in, like, earlier. We make jokes about it, like, says to pass it, because we know it's wrong, and mm-hmm. some for some reason when we know it's wrong we want to do it more mm-hmm. but like since we share it with other people you think like that's an all right way of coping because uh we make jokes we harsh we harshly mean it but we know that if it's out of context it sounds horrible mm-hmm. like things like that i think you know i have this conversation a lot with some of my friends because i think that's a legit thing right like and i i so i think i don't think there's a you know to to, to send to this point you have curiosity you should you should actually have that conversation together of like you got to tell me when i cross the line with you i think one as a as a human that's a that's a that's a thing right it's not you don't have to wait to be an adult to create boundaries among friendships like that's the first thing you should make in your friendships and any relationship you have i think it's i think that's an important thing i i think it's yes you can banter and say really mean shit to each other but like i also want to make sure that like do you also say nice things to each other Rarely, but yes. <laughs> no, no, but like, and I think that's where it is. Yeah. But that is what I'm saying, right? So like, yeah, I, I can call Sandra nicknames. I would never. I'm never. Look, she says, I never. I'm like, what you can say? I was like, I can't even think something. But like, you know what I mean? Like, among friends and even family, you're right. Like, you can yeah. say really shitty shit or like really funny stuff. But at the end of the day, can you also say, can you be there for him? Yeah. Can you yeah. also tell him whenever he needs you? Can you tell him the good things that he needs to hear? So it's a balance between the yeah. needs. Yeah, because, it, because, that's because a lot of time we end up pressing ourselves to a fault mm-hmm. or we're like tearing ourselves down even mm-hmm. more. And so it's not even just the outside world that doesn't understand us. It's each other that's oppressing each other. Move on. 
right? So I think that's an important thing to take into consideration. That there's joy in the in the in the way that we play with each other in that way. There is joy, but we have to have that balance of of like saying, "Yo, I'm playing with you. Yeah, you're this, but hey, I know you got it. Last week when I saw you do that, that was awesome. Like keep up the good work. That's 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 a yeah. That's something that's never going to expire. Yeah. Because being like, I think being an adult or just being a person, it wasn't even an adult. I think being, I remember sometimes being your age is really hard, right? And um, I think having someone that reminds you that like, it's gonna, it's like, you still are so valuable, even if it's not in those words. I think, I know, especially as teenagers, we don't say those things to each other. But, like, find a way to tell other humans that, or just so your friends or your family. I never had siblings, but I heard that siblings are really mean to each other. Uh, they are. They're all. I was mean to my little cousins. And so, but, like, I would cut someone if they did something. <laughs> yeah. Like, to this that day. Is to this day. That is true. I'd kill people. Yeah. yeah. That, that is true. And it, yeah, that's, that's the important part. Like, my siblings, yeah. they were harsh, but I know... That if anything yeah. were to happen, they always had my back. I think that's a balance. Outside of the family, outside of the network, outside yeah. of the collective. And so what did you want to add? You, yeah. We were talking about colorism in the family. Yeah, we were talking about colorism in the family. Mine isn't really colorism. It's more like full on racism. My, my parents, I wouldn't say hate, hate is not the word, but they, no, Asians just are for them. Yeah. Like um, in Portugal, this Tunisia restaurant opened on the street. Yeah. And my mom and dad forbid me forever going there. Wow. Uh, so literally, it was one of those things that only had a- any type of Asian food. When we went to the mall and I got Thai food. That was the first time I ever had any type of Asian food. Mm-hmm. I was just not able to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Though. Yeah, it's just one of those things where, like, their culture, I don't want it. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I don't know, I think, like, you know, similar to, to what Sandra was talking about with therapy, like, in a way, it's also not your job to make them realize that, like, they're grown people, right? They're over 18 years of age, and they have, uh, if they're over 25, their brains are fully developed. That's so this is on to them, right? Yeah. I think now the challenge is on you to unlearn all that, right? Because, like, after your your brain, is, you know, is, this is on you, right? Like, if you want to learn, now the challenge is, why don't you, Asia is huge. <laughs> you want to learn more about Asia? You know, Russia's part of Asia. Just, I didn't know that. Listen, man. <laughs> Asian food is delicious. I would never keep my kids away from a rock. That's true. <laughs> and so I think it's sad, I think. And it's really sad, I think, you know, what you mentioned about, like, we all have, like, there's... So, so, and in every culture, somebody's called a chinito, or, like, oh, we have more, like, dark-skinned people in our family. I remember my great-grandmother used to say, you can't trust black people. Do you know what color my grandma was? She was black. She didn't think she was black. Only was what? Local right. Yeah, and so like it's one of those things that I think it's that's not on you anymore. It's really hard. So I think that's the important part too, is like undoing, undoing yeah. the traumas that existed. Like in uh, like that's why we have to ask ourselves why do we have this thought process? Mm-hmm. Like why does it exist? Why am I why am I scared in or why am I why do I have trepidation? Why don't I do this? And in anything that I do because my parents. You know, within like white cultures, I had when in Rome, you do as the Romans, as my father used to tell me. So like I that's why I wanted to assimilate. Mm -hmm. And so I had to undo that. And sometimes my white friends were like, 
we love you and your culture. Like, why aren't you showing up as your culture yeah, you and yourself? Isaiah, when in Rome, you got to do as the Romans do. I've heard this before, and it makes a lot of sense. And it's good advice sometimes to get by and to assimilate. Mm -hmm. But there's also the element. I was uh, just yesterday, I was with a student, and we were talking about the alcohol culture in our family. Yeah. And what I saw was a bunch of asshole Romans. I saw Romans yeah. who would get messed up and mm -hmm. they were a-holes and the student did too and the student was processing and thinking about what type of alcohol they would be assuming that that's just going to be their path yeah but it doesn't have to be sometimes sometimes if we recognize that the romans are assholes then maybe we don't do as the romans do sometimes mm -hmm. you know yeah i think i think that's where we have the power right and i think sometimes we forget we have the power to be to be something different than what was set up for us you know our parents only could do as better than their parents. And so I always tell people when I see them, are you doing better than what your parents are doing? And if someone says yes, I'm like, awesome, right? That's as good as you can do. And that's why having a therapist or having mentors are super important because you get to see another concept of the world yeah. that isn't within your familial context. Yeah, our parents, when they were going to buy houses, uh, they were one-tenth the cost of a house now. Uh, so sometimes it's also unfair to hold ourselves to the standard to our parents' standards. Yes, they're like they're like, damn, you don't even know how to a house yet. And I'm like, you didn't have to be a millionaire. <laughs> you could have five dollars. Right. Yes. College didn't cost money when you were in school. Does anybody have final thoughts? Uh, where can we find out more about Latino Policy Institute? The LatinoPolicy.org. And I'm happy to connect about what we can do in the future all right we're gonna we're gonna follow up on that sandra is there anywhere that we should go and find out more information about your work so instagram latino mental health network um is the best place mm -hmm. but the other thing that i was thinking about was your question about what you're missing and we're a culture of music mm. so yes the drumming circle something with music <laughs> right. something right. with I, music. I called her a drumming circle advocate here we go <laughs> I want to I want to take one final moment to uh, give a shout out to Christina Sanson. Yes, uh, we've been doing uh, some work with her on a project called Reciprocity Rhode Island. Yes, um, and I appreciate you being in those circles. Such an amazing cast of peers that we have there, uh, especially Marco Williams. I'm always impressed whenever I'm yes. anywhere near him, and so many of the others that I'm just meeting. Uh, that's a great group. I just wanted to give them a shout out uh, and shout out to you guys for I don't know how. Because we've been smaller numbers, but we've got the number one podcast in the world in education. So congratulations. Congrats. Hopefully we can carry that into 2024. Uh, next time we've got uh, Codex Prime podcast on the podcast. And we'll talk more about our guests in the future. Uh, Sandra and Marcela and Steambox Warriors, including Marcela. Sandra, was that you too? You weren't a warrior, right? No. Okay. I was not. Uh, Warriors, including Marcella <laughs> and Sandra, uh, please say peace out to the world. Peace out. Uh -oh.